first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Yeah, now that the uh, the Realm's Deep, part of the Realm's Deep one is over, let's get on with the rest of it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you guys. I've been kind of like peripherally following the project for a while, especially once I knew that it was going to be a Hellforge Studios thing. Uh, so let's go around the table, everybody introduce yourselves. Uh, I am Mike, project lead for Rhythm's Frontier. I also do the level design, uh, 3D modeling for the sprite references, and now for models in game, and the texture work, and I guess some of the sound works. Steven? Um, I'm Steven. I do the programming stuff. Uh, I also do a lot of research and development. Anything we were like, hey, we have a cool idea. I take care of any research behind that and some minor Photoshop stuff. And Grant? Yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the artist. I'm the uh, 2D animation artist. Uh, Mike handles all the textures, but I do all the uh, animations for like the enemies and uh, do it like the guns. I draw, draw those over his 3D models. And uh, basically any other like props he needs that are a 2D. Well, let's start with that because uh, this is a really particularly beautiful <laughs> looking uh, GZ dimension. Get started. Get Steven. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a running joke with us that um, every time someone says, "Man, that sprite work," um, I always like go to Steven. I'm like, "Man, that coding." <laughs> Because nobody appreciates the programmer. Well, I haven't played it yet. You, know, you, know, you got to understand. Like I, I, I've seen some impressive things, but like I also have to pick an order. I'm going to talk to everybody here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, sorry. What was your question? Just what? What's been the 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 challenge? I don't know. What's been the uh, journey of you working on this project and doing all these really cool looking animations? Like it's a I was watching the other day when Mike was streaming it to the, the realms deep chat with all the devs hanging out and everything. And it's just a particularly look, good looking game. I mean, this is a, it's obviously a doom engine game, but it looks so much more professional than that. And that's what we're going for. I mean, it wouldn't be viable for commercial use otherwise. Oh yeah. 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 It's a, so the, okay. The original reason uh, I was where this art style originated was uh, I was looking at, uh, I was looking at, I was going to make a, a top-down twin-stick shooter, and I was like, okay, well, uh, I want to make that look like Metal Slug. <laughs> so I was like, okay, how do I make it look like Metal Slug? And I spent like a long time studying how how uh, like Metal Slug looks and like how it animates because of because uh, it doesn't look like any other pixel animation I'd seen because because uh, there was something weird about it. 
something special. And so like I, I eventually I got to like, I realized it's that it's, it's not the level of detail exactly. It's that, um, most pixel art, uh, is animated very snappy with like a very few frames. So like, uh, someone, uh, uh someone using a, like swinging a sword would be, they got this, they hold the sword up and then like, there's this big, uh, arc that's like, uh, the sword being active and then like goes back to their idle sprite. So that's like two frames and it's like very, uh, and they, they're always like snap, they always like snap to their angles and they're like, like, uh, it'll, everything you, like most, a lot of pixel art goes to like 45 degree angles and 90 degree angles when they move. And it's like the diff, what set metal slug apart was that, uh, it's actually not animated like that almost at all. It's ac- animated like an old Disney film. It's just like v- very, uh, they just went from like, the person like uh, swinging a, a person swinging a sword would be like fourteen frames. It's like uh, there's just the amount of like animation that got put into it. It was like they're animating it like it would actually move in real life, and not like uh, how a uh, how like pretty much every like pixel art thing that you see like is animated. So I was like, that was like the big like oh, okay, I figured that out, and that's how I started animating. Was just like okay, make it pixel art, but make it like a classic uh, 2D animated movie. And it's like started off there, and it's just like I've and then uh, I just did a, a series of animations where I was like doing an, a big like a full like animation like every day uh, for like a week. And it's like that got me up to speed, and then like when we got to this, it's like okay, this is how I'm animating now. And it's like when I actually showed it to Mike and everyone. It was just like, wow, that doesn't look anything like Doom. And like, uh, so that's why, that's why it looks like this. It, why it's like so over, over animated. Yeah. I mean, do you consider it to be over animated or? Well, well, especially compared to like, no, like Doom, normal Doom sprites where it's like, uh, like a walk cycle would be like three frames of animation and mine is like, like eight. But it's because like that's how you that's how, just how you animate when you're making a when you're making like a movie or a show. So it's like I didn't realize that that's not how like most game like especially like Doom games look. So it's like so it's like comparatively yeah, but like I mean, my level of detail obviously isn't as good as like uh, uh, Ion Maiden, where it's like every there's like tons and tons I, of like stuff Ion, all over it. Ion mm-hmm. Fury. Uh, oh yeah, just, shit! Just, I got just not Maiden. <laughs> I tried to remember what the correct name was, but it's like, is it Iron Maiden? Is it no. Iron Maiden? Is it, I- Damn it. is it Ion Storm? No, that's a company. Uh, uh, Iron Fury. Iron Fury. Yeah. Iron Fury. Oh yeah. uh, no. <laughs> Iron Marines. So it's like, uh, like my I don't I only have like like five level usually like five or less like area like amount levels of shading on characters but it like it looks better just because there's more frames of it moving mm-hmm. and like that's why it like that's why it doesn't look like anything else because it's reason it we're making a doom style game with like this stuff with like animation that's copied off of uh like metal slug style it's like that's what that's like part of why like uh i think like we'll be okay in terms of like people like enjoying it yeah and then if i could uh clarify something technically 
So, so uh, one of the neat things about using modern source port for Doom is we can use way more frames on things, up to 35 a second because the tick thing. Uh, we don't have the limitations that like id software used to have where they're trying for getting the most moment or movement out of like as few frames as possible. Yeah, it's like how uh, original Quake, like they have three full 3D models, like they can have as many frames as they want, but it's like they cut out a ton of frames. It's like they would like, but like 3D models moved into like having perfectly smooth 60 like frames per second animation, but like yeah, uh, interpolation, why not? yeah. but like uh, 2D stuff never did because like they already they moved out, the people moved out of that. Did you have a uh, background in animation prior no, to? No. Okay. This is like, I, I I literally just like did like five uh, animation exercises, and then like just did like an animated thing like every day for like a week or two, and like that's all I got pretty much before starting this. I, I was an artist before that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you had some kind of credential here. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of art did you do? Uh. I did like I was on I was on DeviantArt for a long time. I was doing comics and stuff, like uh, just like random shit. Like I didn't I never really got any like series really off the floor. But like uh, this is like the first like big thing that I've been involved with. It's interesting, like um, how people end up kind of in the same place. Were you were you a Doom fan? Uh, no. In okay. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, me and Steve are doing things. Let me just brought it up to him. Mm-hmm. We're like, "Hey, wait! All of our stuff." Yeah, it was it it was my idea to make a a game in the Doom engine just because Mike was like a prolific uh, mod creator. Prolific, um, yes, legendary. Pro- prolific. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, no, you were he was a well liked uh, Doom I, modder. Yeah, Z Doom Wars community liked me. I don't know how long the Gold versus Humans community existed. But. Yeah, but like, so so it was just like going over, going going to them, and I was like, "Hey, you guys know how to make stuff in the Doom engine? Like, let's make let's make an FPS there." I hate it. I hate that decision now, but like, you know, we're with it. <laughs> what were the what were the challenges that made you say like now that you hate it? Oh, uh, every time we say, "Hey, Steven, can we make like?" We we have this great idea for a mechanic. It'll make the game really fun and like balanced and good. Uh, can we do it? And his answer is always uh, maybe. Who knows? We'll have to exploit all these other things about it and like it's, uh, it's like yes, we could do it. How hard? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it's it whether we can implement anything is always like question mark, <laughs> or whether it's even worth it. Hey, can we get can we give people like the enemies good AI? No. <laughs> we can try. We can trick people into thinking it's good. Yeah, it's the art of the show business. You know, it's, it's all it's all about like making the player believe that what they're seeing is sentient, though it is not. Uh, it's interesting. Like, that's uh, it, a really interesting challenge. Just in general, is like making it believable. And uh, from just from what I saw, like it. This very much like reminded me, and I think this might be like a trigger word for you guys. I'm not sure, but it was like this feels like Half Life Two in Doom. Yeah, I, I actually said that too, Mike. <laughs> when it, I, yeah, well, not that. I was, I, I, was look, I was looking at his environments, and I was like, yeah. "This is this uh, looks like looks a lot like Half Life." 
Yeah. Like the, the terrain, the way that you move through the levels, the, the level design itself, uh, just in general, kind of like, oh, this feels very much like Half-Life 2 level. Not that the head crabs, you know, totally set aside for a different conversation. <laughs> I called that, by the way. <laughs> it's like, we got to make these things not look like head crabs. Yeah. We tried. Whoops. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. I think people will still be like, first of all, they'll just be impressed. Like, man, this is cool. It's in the Doom engine. It's always going to be a novelty in, in general to get people like into it or a turner off. Like, I don't understand these people that are like, Ugh, this is made the Doom engine. It's just a Doom mod. Why are you selling it for money? I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I see, I see that attitude about P- mobile games getting ported to the PC. Yeah, where it's like that. Ga- this game looks aw- like the game looks good, and it's like it's just a mobile port, and it's like okay. The game's good, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the effort that goes into it. Like, uh, I figure one of the big things that separates mods from, like, actual commercial releases, even if it's maybe built akin to, like, a mod would be built, is the level of asset creation and the uh, the level of quality that you, you try to, like, meet when you're making things. Where it's, like, uh, with a mod, you can probably get away with... Uh, yeah, this this the sound doesn't really work too well, or this assets kind of ended up in it. Oops, oh well. Uh, whereas, like, if we leave too much of that stuff on the ground and we actually release it, say on Steam, and uh, yeah, no, the, the people are way less forgiving with like a commercial release than mod. So we gotta make sure everything is kind of up to a standard. I am. I'm certain that it will be, you know, that you guys seem like you all have good heads on your shoulders and you're working with the right team. I think it is, if there's anybody who has a vision for this. I mean, it's, it's the, the group surrounding Hellforge studios and I would, I would actually give credit. Uh, I'm sure there's other predecessors to this too, but like one of my favorites to point out is always like heat on like that game was a huge success. I mean, Zan is apparently rolling in the dough, at least in, you know, whatever Romanian dollars equivalent are equivalent to, and maybe millions for all I know. Hell yeah. Uh, but. And then uh, Head on 2 is coming up not soon. Oh. When, when you say soon, we'll, I think we'll have uh, just shown the trailer for it some, at some point <laughs> during the show. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not sponsored by Heaton or anything like that. Um, <laughs> in the Keep podcast is brought to you by. Zan the Bone Breaker. Hey. Big titties, little game. <laughs> um, <laughs> Big adventure. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess the natural segue <laughs> from that is just start talking about the programming. Since we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, Steven, um, what are some of the difficult programming challenges that they've uh, asked you to implement that you have successful. We'll start with the successful ones and then we can talk about the, the so, would have successful <laughs> ones. Movement is always hard, but like getting the slugs to like the jump attack by itself has made them such an interesting like creature because nothing stops them. Mm-hmm. They can get anywhere they want. You are safe. like nowhere mm-hmm. aside from us literally having invisible lines that says, no, you can't, don't go away because <laughs> they can get under uh like obstacles you can get under they can get under yeah they're yeah, small they, enough they get through everything <laughs> their their jump is super good uh them not getting stuck into things because they jump into places they're not supposed to be the game freaks out we have to give them a slight nudge to get away but it all 
worked. And it was like super surprising to us how fluid these enemies are when they're in a group. Yeah. Like oh my, like you'll watch clips and they just sort of move over each other so naturally. It's it's fascinating. I love it. Yeah, they were <laughs> we were originally gonna make them really like high health and like um like larger, but uh it just turned into like nah, well let's make them a horde enemy. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like we I hate horde enemies, like tiny horde enemies, and like we I think we all do. And it was like but like we're ama- like we're just amazed that uh it worked out this well and people actually like them yeah one of the uh, i think one of the big factors of that was uh the health of them uh back when they took more than one shot from the handgun to kill they were just annoying and then also before they had sounds for whenever they attacked or anything uh it wasn't fun and it was kind of scary to like, play test that it's like oh geez the the main enemy is like really annoying and then, no, you lower their health, give them the right sounds. Uh, they're now a wave of just tiny creatures that get everywhere. It will come from, like, unexpected places. And, uh, like, you, you have to keep moving. Uh, otherwise, they'll just overwhelm you super fast. Uh, kudos, Steven. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah, that's, that's most. That's all Steven. Yeah, like, if anything's visual for the programmer, that's that's a big one. One of the things that we alluded to, I think, in the the mini interview, there was uh, talking about Resident Evil Four. I mean, it's yeah. easily like mm-hmm. I, I don't have to prove my credentials here. Oh, one, yeah. of the, <laughs> one of the greatest games of all time, and a big reason for that. How many is, times like, you beaten it? Oh my god! Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's that's correct. Had. Everyone has everyone here has that answer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, point being. The the horde system in that game is is unique, or at least it was at the time. And that you know, it's not. Oh, it's still just, it's still unique. Like yeah. their other games, don't never learned. No one learned what it taught us. Why don't you explain it? It's oh God. Uh, well, doctor expert. Well, <laughs> I, I, love the, I love the fact that you're just going to be a crab monster. Like, yeah. Well, like, definitely. Well, literally, uh, RE4 is like the mo- game I talk about the most often, and mm-hmm. it's like the thing I've learned the most about game design from is literally RE4. And it's like there's like there's like one there's one room in it that's actually a bad room, and like every other, and then there's like and that's the uh, the machine gun room at the very end, like uh, after the helicopter sequence. It's like that's the one kind of bad room, and then like the helicopter sequence is janky and like, that's it. That's the only flaws I can find in the game. But, uh, the, uh, AI in it is like, uh, it's, it manages to balance, it manages to balance, uh, having enemies who have projectiles and enemies who are melee. And, um, it never gives, and it's like also, and it was smart enough to never have hit scan enemies. Like e- even enemies who would like have hit, hit scan weapons, like a, quote unquote like they'll they attack in patterns so like they won't actually hit you like they're just like sweeping you in one direction it's like yeah the uh, the under the hood elements for re4 are pretty nuts like if you're not looking directly at an enemy they won't charge you they'll just kind of slowly walk towards you and you can abuse that knowing it but if you don't know it and you're just playing the game like normal you just get less cheap deaths and that's super neat to me Oh, we were talking. Somebody we were thinking about uh, the time you got blackout drunk. And- oh yeah, yeah, that. 
still had like yeah. an eighty percent accuracy or something like that. Yeah, I was bla- I was literally blackout drunk because uh, I was because that was the bit we were doing, and uh, I was still had an eighty percent accuracy when uh when we were I was playing it. And uh, there was a there's a point where I literally thought like I forgot that it, it had happened. I thought we and like it's lost to my mind, but apparently I was playing it unable to speak, and I was still like doing um going into the inventory and switching my weapons and like doing everything perfectly. And then uh, like five minutes later, I was throwing up, <laughs> which we got recorded. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank goodness. That was a while ago. Dear God. Should we like insert the video footage of that right here? No. <laughs> we we got it somewhere. Uh, yeah. un- unknown if we can find it's like on I think Stephen's old computer probably. But uh, oh, if we do, it is. Well, we, can, we, can, it is. we don't have video, but we have audio. <laughs> we weren't doing video back like then. Well, we were. Uh, I think we were recording the. Uh, it, it was like we were trying to do a let's play. I think. And uh, we weren't actually funny or creative, so we just were like, hey, he's drunk playing RE4. That's good enough. Yeah, and I drank way too much. But uh, okay. Okay, the, the enemies like in uh, RE4, like the Ganados, the the brilliant... The, the thing about them is like, it's one... It, like You think it's just like one enemy, right? But it's like, no, not actually. It's like you have a Ganado that's, uh, that's barehanded, and it's like they have to grab you, and then you have a uh, you had Ganado that actually has a weapon, so they have a slight amount more reach. And then you have Ganado that has a weapon but can throw it, like they're uh, like the axe ones and the sickle ones can do that. And that's so like that's another that's a projectile enemy. Then uh, what are there any other normal ones? Like there's like there's like nine different versions of the Ganado that are all built off the same like good like basic but like and really like solid AI well not basic but actually like really complex AI where it's like they'll circle around you they'll uh like Mike said they won't they won't run if you're not looking at them but it's like they built one really solid enemy and then they gave them a bunch of different attacks and ways to get at you like the shield guys and like the the uh dynamite guys and the ones that have the helmets on and it's like so if, if you ever need to fill like a four-hour podcast with discussion ask grant about ra4 yeah i could literally like you'll get multiple episodes it's dangerous it. it's, i could i could i could make like <laughs> a whole thing just talking about it really would not be the first four and a half hour long podcast we did so it's <laughs> and i never get tired of talking about resident evil like i just Classic Resident Evil. I haven't played the new one. I'm sorry. Apologies. Mm. I refuse to pay that much money for a AAA game. I that's completely understandable. Yeah. Nah, man, you got a pre-purchase with like two hundred dollars, and then hope you can play it within the first month. The, <laughs> the last game that I pre-ordered was Doom Eternal, and that's the last game I will ever pre-order. Mm. Ever. Like, got to get that dude skin. <laughs> You know, uh, we can have that discussion some other day, but for now, <laughs> let's try to get back on track. How, Steven, how did you, uh, with all of this pressure on you to replicate such a system, how did you do it? Well, Accidentally? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like basic game plan. Okay. This enemy has three attacks. Cool. When does it do it? And it just did the basics and by magic, everything just sort of fell into place. Like it was, the intentions were just to make an enemy that 
functions at all. But then it just, it literally just fell into place. There's no real intention there. And it worked out, and now we're building our game basically around these guys because they just work so well. That's interesting. So you're like, you, you come up with a good concept for how the enemies work, and then you build the game around that. Because it's the next, the next tangent I wanted to go on was like, what was the vision for the game in the first place? Well, we had we have a, a vision, right. but like these, we our initial thought for these enemies was you'll fight like five at a time, maybe, and they're going to be like this bigger thing. <laughs> and so now it's like, thing. nah, these are way too cool to only fight five at a time, and we kind of went crazy on placement, and it's just so fun. <laughs> uh, we catch ourselves like in development time playing our own game like for fun and to like catch bugs and stuff <laughs> yeah well when mike first showed me like footage of the game he, the first thing he said was like okay so this is a first person like farming simulator and i i took that 100 percent like at face value i'm like oh cool that sounds awesome <laughs> Not the no, case. No. Uh, so <laughs> that's the omni spanner mechanic thing. Yeah. Where, uh, you have a melee weapon that converts enemies into a resource omni fuel. You convert, yeah. and then you then convert that into either using special abilities, using nail fires on weapons, or just direct ammo or health conversions. Mm-hmm. Now that I know that's on the table, I want a whole game that's just that. That sounds <laughs> awesome, right there. Like. Doom Harvest uh, Moon or whatever. Or, uh, yeah. I had a concept for a game that was like that, but it wasn't a first-person shooter. It's a first-person farmer. No, it was a um. No, it was going to be a top-down uh, twin stick, and it was just like you're playing as the a Doom Marine-esque guy, but you then the alien, but the aliens you meet on Mars are actually friendly, and you're just killing like local dem- demonic wildlife that's coming after you, and it would be a dating sim where you date demons. Wait, what? I need to contact what? Hyper Strange and make sure that's not literally the plot to Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, what, what the fuck were we talking about? Uh, coding. Coding uh, stuff, then, yeah. Well, we were talking about the coding stuff, but then we got to talking about the, the vision of the game. Like the vision, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. So, we, like, yeah. you land on this alien planet that's, like, totally had people on it because we, there's lots of industry and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're first introduced to this enemy and... They're f- like not friendly, but they they're don't passive. attack you or anything. They're like, they're passive. They're cool. Are they are they fuzzy or spiky? It's very important to the quake they're, community. Oh, they're they're spiky. They are uh, they are chitinous. Oh, Arch- chitinous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're like bugs. Yeah, okay. yeah like but big stronger. Cool. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to distinguish, apparently, with shamblers and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what was your what was your thing for them? They're the they're the Armilla Max. And it's like literally they're the metal slugs. Yeah, Armillamax, I think is it comes from like a French term for like armored bug or armored slug or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and like that you soon find out that like oh, they're only passive because they're not being controlled by like a, a hive mind thing in a network. And the second you open that first door, things go down. Yep. And you find out the true nature of this planet. It's yeah. just aggressive. It's pretty fun. Is the, <laughs> the story here essentially that he, the human race was eradicated by this? Uh, uh, not necessarily. This is more of a first contact kind of thing. Okay. Where you're uh, you're on like a fringe planet of a Dominion space. So like the Solar Dominion's this big big ass like Federation Earth 
When you say Dominion, I just think of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah, the Dominion yeah. War. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're on an outer fringe planet. You are a criminal scientist, mm-hmm. uh, criminal for partially unjust reasons, but you're in a penal legion. Like Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Back sure. to the future. <laughs> what? What? What just happened? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, more like Alien Three. Oh, well, not really. How could not you bring that movie up? Even Jesus. Yeah, yeah we want to be. I'm sorry. That movie's awful. I'm never going to watch it again. The the director, the Zach, Zach Snyder's director's cut, really makes up for a lot of it. To be honest, yeah. Like to it, be, yeah. So the one where mm-hmm. Batman kills people. Oh yes, of course. It's where he kills aliens. <laughs> But he lets the no the lets the aliens go. That was David Fincher, right? That was yeah. like one of the first David Fincher films. Yeah, he I got feel- fucked on that movie. Like they yeah. took as much control away from him as they could. Wow, what a tangent we're on now. Let's just yeah, go down. Sorry. David sorry. Fincher, one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah, I'm actually Alien not a big fan of his. Really, you didn't I think, like? Uh, I I think his his acting and directing is amazing, but his stories are always like, what to me. You didn't like Fight Club? You didn't see it 48 times? Uh, I don't like uh, Seven. I don't like uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. No wonder you don't want to be on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's in a, he's one of those amazing... He's like Ridley Scott. He, he's completely perfect at like making a movie, but mm-hmm. yeah, you don't like his movies. Yeah, it's okay like to appreciate his clout as a director without necessarily enjoying the film. I get that, yeah. I need to watch uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, though. Cause... I, it's good. I I mean, for me, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was fun. If you like, you know, Forrest Gump or Big Fish, it's like that. Yeah. A little less grounded in reality, though. Yeah. yeah and I remember the time Forrest Gump reverse-aged <laughs> into, like, an amoeba. That was a good movie. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> took several several days to watch. Is that the, is that actually the plot to Relentless Frontier? It's like Forrest, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Forrest Gump. It's a sequel to Forrest Gump. Gump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang it, they know. <laughs> uh, ours is well, I guess our, what you say would you, you just say ours is basically Relentless Frontier is basically Starship Troopers but it's not like satire and it's actually against that. It's like like against like I mean, the idea of imperialism. I mean like the movie Starship Troopers was pretty against it. Well, I mean, it's like, but it's like, um, you have to like, but you have to understand that it's doing that. But ours is like more upfront about that. Ours is extremely blunt with that. Yeah, uh, very blunt. The weapons you're using are like police weapons for crowd control, and it's like a fifty caliber machine gun is like a sidearm for <laughs> patrol forces. It's not the. The uh, the shotgun, the underslung belt fed shotgun, is called the Peacekeeper. Oh yeah, it's really on the news. Uh, yeah. Or the Justice. The yeah. Handgun, or the Enforcer, the the Magnum handgun that fires like fifty BMG. Our s- smallest gun is a Magnum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking to you guys is like if I were interviewing King Ghidorah's three heads. Like, you all, all seem to be very much on the same page. Uh, which is rare as hell uh and i really i mean with with developers yes are are you surprised very much you get a bunch Uh, of creative people together they all want their ideas everybody wants to like you know (laughs) do do you guys run into like honestly like do you have you butted heads over some ideas oh yeah yeah Yeah. 
Hell, I think yeah. yesterday me and Grant got in like an argument about like I, I was getting like frustrated over portrayal of a projectile or something. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, now he kind of also just eventually cut through it, and just be direct and be like, "Oh yeah, whoops, I fucked up," yeah. and no one was my bad. Well, who's got rank here? I assume the programmer, because uh, if you guys want something and he doesn't do it, like... Uh, well, every, we're basically screwed if any one of us doesn't want to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, Mike Mike has rank because this is his... He's directing, therefore, he has final say on everything. Yeah. But we're going to... So, given this project successful, we're actually going to change directors to Grant because he has his own project that he wants to get done or uh, get made. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple hundred projects I want to make. I, I think I fell into it partially because I'm like the one that wants to manage a social media account at all or talk to people. Yeah. That's important. That's yes. extremely important. Yes. Yeah. Like, Otherwise, uh, like, who would know what you were doing? Yeah. Tree, tree falls in a forest. Relentless frontier falls in a forest. Yeah. Uh, I think that actually got started with... Uh, I was just posting things in like Civi's Discord and random other Doom related Discord, and eventually, like, hey, what's that thing you're working on? It's like, oh, yeah, shit, we should like name this and probably put it somewhere so people can see it. So it's not just like sprites in a void or a piece of a level. Yeah, I think their exact response was, oh, those sprites are amazing and nothing else is great about that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to write that out, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck the gameplay, you know? <laughs> nah, so, I don't need gameplay. <laughs> but, uh, you know. So, like, you're working on animations while we're all speaking, and we're. Can you discuss the, uh, the creative, um, waves that enter your brain that allow you to be able to multitask like that? That's, that's bizarre to me. Uh, I was actually looking up a thing about, uh, how, like, about, how long you can work, like what your work hours should be, uh, like a, two weeks ago. And l- the thing to take away from that and apply to this is that there's different kinds of work. So like cr- like creative work, like writing or program, like programming where it's like, you need to, f- you literally need to be like focusing as hard as you can to actually like make it good. It's not, that's, it's not a matter of how long you do it. It's how good you, how good you do it. Because if you make a mistake, like you just waste, you could have, could have wasted like a whole day like just staring at a screen doing nothing would have been more productive but like drawing for me is like it's, it's like like 10% or less is like uh, the amount of focus i need to put on it to the point of like i can like have this con- i'm having this conversation and i'm barely like having to focus on uh, what i'm looking at can hear the clicks and clacks of all the shortcuts. Oh yeah, uh, I have I have a big chunky uh, PlayStation One controller, and I mapped all my keyboard shortcuts to that because it fits much easier in my hand. So you do your animations that you actually like your workstation is a PlayStation controller. Yeah, I have the keyboard off to the side here, but uh, with the uh, I have a big it has to be a big chunky PS One controller because uh, I need to be able to. Um, put both my finger like both my index finger and my middle finger on both the uh the back buttons and those are one is shift and one is control and then if i hold them down together that's shifting control so every button that i can touch i have uh basically that multiplies it by four so i have uh 
one eight or four eight twelve. He, uh, he 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 plays uh, games left-handed, even though he's right-handed, just to save his drawing hand. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a very from what I've heard, it's a very interesting, weird-ass setup where he's using like one quarter of a keyboard. And then also there's like a controller sitting over here that he uses for buttons and the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's that's different. Uh, I have like I basically have access to 40 keys uh, when I'm using a controller because mm-hmm. of how I have it set up. And I use a joy to key to like map my keyboard to it. Uh, but yeah, what Mike was saying was uh, I actually I don't want to draw for 10 hours a day and then like play a first person shooter with my right hand because it's like that's just so much like strain on my right hand. So like, I, per- I moved over to uh, my left hand for uh, all uh, mouse actions. So it's like uh, that was, it was the first two weeks are rough moving over. But then uh, after that, it's like a year of not being, not being very good, a very good shot. And then like, after that, it's like nothing. It's like, it's back to normal. Uh, it was at the very end of like doom. It was like in the last, like, four hours of doom eternal that i finally it all finally clicked and it's like okay i'm just left-handed with my mouse now so you i mean obviously you fully understand how bizarre that sounds yeah okay (laughs) what okay was there like an inspiration moment did someone tell you that this is something you should do no i I was just like uh i i I was i think i was playing wolfenstein uh like old blood or new order and I, after drawing for a long time, uh, one day, and I was like, "Oh, my right hand feels bad having to do this because it's not—it's all cramped up." At the end of the day, and it's like, "Okay, now use it for uh, precise uh, aiming." And it's like, "Uh." So that's—it was just like that was just the moment where I was like, "I gotta try to switch over." And using a controller for FPS games is out of the question. Yes, because I'm—I'm—I can't do that. Like I like precise aiming with a controller is awful to me. I'd rather switch over my entire uh, control scheme to left-handed and learn how to play left-handed than do that. Every time I like go to a friend's house or whatever, and they're you know console gamer or whatever, and I witness them play first-person shooters with a controller, I, I'm like, I remember that I used to do that. Like when I was a kid, I didn't have a computer my whole life. Like I mostly played on consoles, and now when I see it, I'm just like, what in the fuck are you... It's like bizarre. It's like, what is this? Why would you do that? And, and What like, is this? Why is this? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's and it's not weird. It's like what it's literally what most people do. Like the vast yeah. majority of people do that. Um, I just... I'm so far removed from it now, I can't even relate to it. It's interesting. Um, well, like, uh, Mike, remember when we were... When I, uh, busted out that my PS2 after um, guy got it back after ten years, yeah. and like I, you, w- the way I was playing black on the PS2, that's cool. that's terrible. I yeah, you, you, what, what you literally said like I play games like your dad does or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I had I the only game I ever played first person shooter I ever actually played with a controller was Half Life One. Yeah, so so like my dad, uh, my dad plays a lot of games, not not the best, but. Uh, the, the way he'll do a first-person shooter is move and look completely separate. He won't do the both both at the same time. So it's like you go over to a thing and then look and then act and then look and move. He's a tank. <laughs> I mean, I, I recently, like, uh, 
we were doing like a N64 night and we broke out Goldeneye, which is a classic, right? But I, I mean, I haven't played Goldeneye since like 2003 or some shit up to this point, and I'm just like, wow, this sucks. It makes you so thankful. Bad donkey. I for hate this. This stuff. Yes. <laughs> It's great if you're used to it, but going back to it, no, that, that. Uh, we actually played Perfect Dark uh, yeah, the, the on a controller. Yeah. yeah, we did the, the 360 remake. Uh, we got that on the Xbox 360 well after the marketplace was dead. That was a weird process. But uh, getting used to it sucks. But once we got used to it, that game's a blast. Like, hot damn. Well, that game was actually fun because it has an auto aim, but it's, it's like pretty generous. So it's like as long as you're like sort of on them, it works. And I was actually able to play that fine. So, Mike, uh, to kind of try to get back on track a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, it's cool. That's the whole nature of the show. Do whatever you want. But my job is to kind of try to extract information out of you like I'm like I'm some sort of head crab or some shit. Um, <laughs> Unrelated. <laughs> can, <laughs> can you tell us a bit about like what your uh, initial vision for what Relentless Frontier was going to be? Um, uh, all right, so we've got an we've got an enemy concept of big enemies made out of a bunch of little enemies. Uh, me want to make shooter, uh, make shooter good, and then Doom Engine. Yeah, I know how to use that. And then we made a bunch of shit and kind of formed it along the way to where uh, now, now we know more. Like, okay, we want an ammo balance. Uh, we want resources to be sort of rare. But if you use things the right way, they won't be rare. And then they'll be tied in with the difficulty. Uh, we know which enemies we need to design for the first faction. Episode 1 has a faction. Episode 2 has a faction. Episode 3 has a faction. And they start interacting with each other throughout the game. So it's like you've got hive mind bugs in first episode. You've got energy cultists in the second episode. And you've got secret spoiler faction in the third episode. That uh, and all of them are going to behave very differently, have different organizational structures, mm-hmm. and seeing that interact with each other is going to be interesting. It seems like the uh, the mechanics took precedent first. Like you had an idea of like the kind of mechanical things that you wanted to do with the game before you started working on a story. If I understand correctly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mechanics came first, and then story is uh, (laughs) like even up to now, the story is enough to have an outline. Like, we know what happens throughout the game, Mm -hmm. but dialogue, characters like the main character has a name and no planned dialogue. Uh, We might have dialogue, we might not, because a lot of that comes down to uh, funding and time. If we if we if we get the funding and the time to add voice acting, that's good. Right on, let us do it. But if, if we if we can't get good voice actors, no voice acting is like way better, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm also super used to uh, telling because I've been fucking around with comics so long. It's like I actually know how to tell a story like without dialogue. So like it's not really a, de- a thing with us. It's like we could make the game entirely dialogueless and it'd be fine, pretty much. Yeah, which I guess also goes into like environmental storytelling, which is. Something I accidentally have done in mapping for a long time. Uh, I, before I knew exactly what it was, I was just like, yeah, of course there's a gun next to this corpse, and of course there's a corpse next to this fight that happened, and there's portals on this wall, 
And it's like, oh, that damaged the control panel, so you can't get through this area. So you need to find another way around. And it's like, that's going to be in the game a lot. Yeah, or like the uh, all the uh, the damage on the uh, the guns, especially the uh, the Magnum. Yeah, it's like oh, there's that... just a shit ton of scratches all over it. Yeah, and that goes into the uh, the way you swap weapons in the game is uh, you're not actually holding any of them. You have something on your back called an Omnistruct, which is the the player character's own invention uh, that kind of like absorbs a gun or ammo. Uh, unbuilds it, puts it in the pack, and then when they need it, it builds it in their hand. As a perfect uh, copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which means you the first the first uh like assault or the first uh, justice you pick up has a big ass scratch over the front of it because it was in a fight, which means every time you replicate that it's gonna replicate that same scratch because that's like the schematic it has. It's like how it works in Vanquish, where he's just uh, reconstructing the gun every time. Yeah. Can you pinpoint a like a moment or a game where even though you didn't really think about it like subconsciously perhaps it became obvious to you that environmental storytelling might have been the way to go even if you didn't have a concept for what it was uh red faction for me okay uh, and then back when i used to make red faction maps that was something i was trying to replicate uh and then past that not too sure yeah, we're we're all like uh, game design like nerds, so like yeah. every like t- like there's so many sources for like what what inspired us to do like what like a lot of times it's just like osmosis. And I, I only started thinking about it recently. Well, just based on what I'm hearing so far, like Grant, you seem to have like a very um, articulated, like analyzed uh, idea of like what you like and don't like in game design. Where yes, yeah, yes, yeah, the the create the creative individual over here is like, oh, I didn't really think about it. It just kind of like happened. Yeah. You know? Well, he's just, he's the director. Like, so like his, he, what he wants goes like, we don't, cause I, I want him to be the director just cause it's like, it's his project. He chooses where the fuck things go. Like mm-hmm. no more. We like, we're not going to have a fucking like vote on every little thing. Although usually I like, I want your guys opinions on things at least like I'll, I'll present it to you. And it's like, hey, is this good? Is this bad? If it's really bad, if there's changes, potential. But uh, the, the ultimate executive decision will come down to me because I uh, I know what I want to make. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, um, look at the, uh, the, DC, the DC movies versus the Marvel movies. Uh, the Marvel movies, like, like them or not, they're headed in a s- certain direction. And, like, they're helmed by one dude who kind of who knows what he's doing uh dc movies are is a ship go trying to sail somewhere and changing direction constantly and it never goes anywhere we used to be a D, uh, dc movie yeah, yeah we yeah so totally like developed. that's why i always want like someone as the like that that's the guy who says where we're going and like yeah if we go somewhere shitty like yeah it's shitty but it's better than never getting anywhere yeah, blame it on me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> like any plan is better than no plan. Any leader is better than no leader. Ooh. You hear that, Mike? Ooh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll let the comments section deal with that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna come off as a real dick. Oh yeah, uh, this it's whole time. Good. It's all good. And also, uh, as far as like connection to maybe what's happening in the Doom community right now. Grand, grand, don't know none of that shit. 
Mm-hmm. So, a question I have for Stephen and Grant exclusively here. It would be, um, is there a sense uh, having a designated leader who's like, this is their project and you're just kind of like hired guns on it to some extent, although you do seem to have a lot of creative input. Um, is there a sense of like kind of delayed satisfaction and like, is there something you'd rather or, you know, hope to do when this is seen through or are you just happy to be here? For me, absolutely. Like I'm going to, I'm like doing this and then we're going to make whatever game I want next and then like switch off. It's like, yeah, I'm, this Fuck is Steven's idea. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Steven, well, Steven, wasn't it literally like you were like, you're glad you are not dry, like having oh to come up with the signs. I'm terrible at leading things. <laughs> <laughs> it always scares me. Like, I don't want to lead. No, you guys lead. It's okay. I'll just be in the background program. Do, do you see yourself? <laughs> do you see yourself as more like an engineer where someone presents you with a problem and you just solve it? Is I just got to like solve it. That's your work. Yeah. have to like, yeah. My like background, I was going to school for computer engineering. Mm-hmm. So yes, <laughs> definitely engineer. Okay, <laughs> I'm insightful. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like my whole goal is, I want to learn how to program in the real world, not like, oh look, here is hello world on a screen. You did it. Good job. This is like real world. Is it efficient? Doesn't look good. Can people like this is Doom? people are going to look at my code. I got to make sure it's pretty. <laughs> if I show you like a, like a leaking sink, like, do you have the same instinct to like... got to fix it? Okay. okay. Like I will turn into a plumber, spend <laughs> five hours hating life, but it'll get fixed in the end. <laughs> gotcha. yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you guys have like a really, uh, just oddly cohesive team balance. It's, yeah. it's nice to see. We've uh, known each other for a while. A lot of people say don't like try to get into business with your friends, and it's like, I don't know. Uh, I think I feel as long as you're like really, really honest with those friends, it, it, it things kind of go smoother. Like I can tell someone, or I can tell Stephen to fuck off, or Grant to fuck off, and the response is usually like, yeah, probably, or okay. Yeah. <laughs> Always think about like uh, if you go back and watch old movies, when somebody's like freaking out, you know. They just come up and slap you in the fucking face and be like, "You're acting like a fucking woman," or like, you know what I mean? Like, this is like yeah, yeah, wildly different than the way we behave in society now. But they like that to some extent, you know, not necessarily the sexism part, but like that's how you interact with your friends as opposed to you know someone that you do business with. Like you, you wouldn't like you wouldn't care enough to do something like that to a stranger, right? Or and you know, and you're worried about what they how they might react. But if they just walk up and like, I don't know. Steven seems like he's a nice guy. Slap Steven on the face. You're acting like a fucking idiot. Stop it. He'd probably be like, you know what, man? I'm sorry. Because that's how people would react in those old films. They're just like, oh, you're right, dude. I don't know what came over me. <laughs> so just like a fighting stance and grabbing like a club or something? Yeah. You, you do that to just some like asshole in your office. And you're like, oh, how dare you assault <laughs> me? <laughs> My goodness. Uh, I had another question, but I forgot what it was. So, uh, no, it was, I, I remember what it is now. Uh, Mike, you mentioned the other day when we were chatting about how you have interconnected levels that you can actually go back and forth through. And, you know, and it's an important game mechanic, according to you, that you be able to do so. 
um, this is a really interesting uh, thing. It's not unheard of in GZ Doom. It's definitely been done. Uh, Vomitorium is another great example that's happening right now. Um, but I'm curious, like, A, from the programming side on Steven's end, how did you accomplish it in this particular case? And also, like, what are your plans for it? Uh, I think he had nothing to do with it. Yeah, wasn't it super really? easy? Yeah. No, it's just, it's it's like a level trend. Yeah. Like, it, that's just a function in, like, the level here. And then uh, just setting, like, global variables. Now, uh, like, I, seamless level changes are, are, like, pretty common in this day and age. Like, people are pretty big on that. Like, it's, it's a good immersion tool. But, like, revisiting them and, like, still interconnecting all the save and everything like that. Are you telling me that that's a completely normal thing like it was totally cool i mean i don't know i'm not a game designer so well it's you will the doom engine is always it's a it's a mixed bag of just this thing this thing, superly super basic thing like is oh no can't do it uh and versus like oh there's this other thing that someone figured out already and like we can just use that it really irritates me when people play doom on like unlimited fps i'm like you're 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 barking up the wrong tree bro <laughs> Anyway, you gotta get 300 sorry, frames so, a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, so recently, it's like, uh, so we, we went from like, oh yeah, I can like, we can make a function of a gun or we can like make it look good in like 30 minutes of effort. And then I want to put a crate 3D model in the game and rotate it 45 degrees. And it's like fucking impossible. Yeah, you, wrong engine. You, you want to rotate a crate? Fuck you. Uh, so it's like a minefield of... Uh, like, oh, can we do this? Oh, yeah, it's already implemented. And, oh, man, I just I want a box. No, never. That's that's also why our game, our design keeps changing and isn't, like, fully set down because it's like, hey, this would be a good mechanic. Can't yeah. do it. Yeah, because uh, I'm going into this as a, like, I was a level designer uh, back in, like, 2012 to 2015-ish, like, uh, the skull tag era of uh, multiplayer. Do you know Brad? Yeah. Uh, Carney, fuck yeah, 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 yeah. Huge I mean, fan. I don't know him personally, but no, he's cool, dude. I uh, side tangent, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I got the chance to meet him like face to face at QuakeCon a couple years ago. He's like the illest dude. He's just so cool, and I, I've got to interview him a couple of times, and it was just like such a gift. He's, I think, very underappreciated. Uh, and you know, because it was a you knew the skull tag community probably far better than I ever could dream of knowing. Like, what a shit show, and yet what a nice human yeah. being. Like, he's just a genuinely nice human being getting shit on on the other side of it. Yeah, was... not that he didn't deserve it, but like, he's just he's grown up now. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's a big boy, yeah, making his own games. Rack actually looks interesting, I've never played it. Oh, he's making well, Rack. Yeah, yeah, he made. Well, Rack w- it was published years yeah, yeah, yeah. ago. And then yeah. Well, the reason Rack. I know about the reason I know about Rack is I go through um, micro trailers, which is a twi- which is a Twitter thing that takes every Steam release and cuts it down to six second trailers. And I've just I've been going from like I started at uh, uh, 2016, and I've just gotten up to 2020 now. So like I've seen shit, man. Uh, and oh, Rack, yeah. Rack was one of those games I picked out as like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah, Rack, the original Rack is really cool. Rack Exiverse, I, I have no shame in saying like, it was a really great idea that was not the right 
either either not the right time or not the right execution. I can't really say, but like that game fell through for sure. Um, unfortunately, but uh, whatever. Anyway, seamless level changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so seamless in air quotes. There's totally load time, which is why we try to make hub areas where it's like, oh, this is a tunnel between. Like, this is like a little rest stop between an outdoors area and a tunnel. There's no combat; enemies can't get in there. So, if you lock it up for like half a second while it saves or loads or whatever, it's not gonna hurt the player, and hopefully, they'll eventually just kind of accept it as a distraction. Like, I think people uh, are used to load times. I'm trying to think of like some prolific examples of the same thing. So, one that really pops out to me would be uh, Dead Space. Does that? Uh, Doom Eternal, or not, not Doom Eternal, Doom Twenty Sixteen really does that. Um, it's a pretty common. You, you guys are all smart when it comes to level design. Yeah, anytime you're in an elevator, yeah. it's a loading yeah. screen. Dark Souls, <laughs> mm-hmm. Portal did it oh, every Souls. level. Dark Souls does it very like it really. Obviously, like once you know it, you can't unknow it. But like it doesn't feel that way. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, the the advantage is Dark Souls is also very well. Dark Souls one and three are, uh, and what I say, everything but Dark Souls two is a uh, everything fits into itself correctly, and that's what. So like, even it's trading off like your time for like, oh, this feels like an actual location, not a video game level. That's it's so weird. Like I actually enjoy digging into this kind of stuff with you guys because that's one of the great level design tricks that does not feel unnatural. Like it just works and it always has and it's stupid to think otherwise i'm glad you brought it up yeah so like the so the whole uh, level transitions is mostly because we're gonna have upgrades to the player or permanent upgrades some of them are mobility upgrades like a double jump or a dash ability and there will be uh like right now we have uh the second level you fall off an edge and you can't get back up it normally so you actually can't go back to the first level until you advance Till you get the double jump, you go back, and the first level has changed at this point. The invasion advances. There's like ships crashed. There's chitin pillars crashed down with a whole bunch of millimax on them. And uh, you go back because one of the ships crashed has like a new weapon on it. That's that's interesting. Back to the programmer guy. So the, I'm assuming this is a actually a separate level design like this is the same level obviously yeah. but you've like you, you have like literally are rendering a new level yeah it's that. gonna be like oh level one then you go level two and you get the if, where whenever you get that pickup you go back you're not going back to level one that's gone basically yeah you'd be going back to like level whatever number you and it's this one. new separate thing that is and so it's cool. like yeah uh and uh don't 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 tell scumhead but uh I stole the idea for him slightly. I mean, it's it, the whole Metroidvania thing, but like him putting that into uh, into Vomitorium, and it seems like it works pretty cool. I was like, oh shit, no, that's a really good idea. I so I knew about the concept of Vomitorium. He'd been talking about it for a long time, and then he, you know, when I saw Lycanthorn two specifically, I knew like. Oh, this is about to happen. And that's when he launched the Kickstarter campaign, and like he he knew what he was doing at that point. And he's got Mango doing most of the programming for him. He's an artist, obviously. He's a genius artist, in my opinion. He's like one of the best. 
but uh yeah like that that's really cool that you guys are did you collaborate on that or no no i don't think scumhead knows i exist i literally (laughs) watched the trailer and was like hey wait a minute that's cool that, you were like, "That's rad," and you wanted to heat move. I will, I will make sure that he knows you exist. I'm, I'm really like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm I, a huge tried, scumbag fan. So. Uh, there's a, so I tried joining a Discord for uh, Vomitorium. There's a Discord server just named Vomitorium that has nothing to do with Scumhead that I joined. It's a, it's an RP server. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, oh, what's no. up? This is the dev from uh from Merlin's Frontier. Here's the stuff I've done. Uh, and, and then all these like you have vomitorium as an actual thing right Mike yeah, yeah so yeah and they're like yeah hey how's it going I'm like some 14 year old or something uh, wanna like do you want to I, I, and, and that's I enough that's enough <laughs> okay no it's not like that it's not like that it's, uh, <laughs> Imagine if that like Sonic like role play, right? Yeah. Whatever, like back in the old days, I, I wandered into one of those and was like, "Here's my portfolio." And I confused people like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Um, you're co- you're you're role playing as a game developer. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that was, uh, kind of embarrassing, but D- does Gumhead have a Discord? Do you know of? Of course. Yeah. I, I, you mean a server or a, an account? Uh, a server. I don't know of a server. I, I have to be honest with you. I don't know if he has a server. He definitely has an account because I talk to him every day. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, just get, like go to the in the keep great. server. Like you can find him there. I guess. Um, so like, I, uh, I kind of like getting into contact with the other like developers. Like, uh, so Sonia Waffles and them for Waffle Iron Studios. I talk to them like every other day ish. I don't go a fucking day without hearing from Metal Neon and Sonya. Yeah. It's like, just get, just, just leave me alone. I'm kidding. I love them. But. <laughs> uh, good people, maybe loud people, but good people. Uh, Sonya just, uh, just established Waffle Iron as a legitimate like business yeah, and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. and open up a bank account for it. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, we're we're making a Steam page, and I just entered my own information. And it's like, it's me, Mike, your studios. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then unbeknownst to these guys, I'm going to like take all the money and run. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. I, w- I would definitely recommend, uh, you know, business wise. Yeah. Getting a, at least a, a two partner LLCs to actually give you some real liability because like. Yeah, so, no, we're, we're, yeah. we're going to go with a three person and that's going to be before we actually make money mm-hmm. on the project. I just wanted to get the steam and make money on the project. Yeah, you make like fifty bucks, and then yeah. uh, that partially recoups the like four hundred and fifty dollar Dropbox professional bill. <laughs> which you know, but, I thought uh, you were going to say the four hundred and fifty hours of work. <laughs> all that, that might be, um, yeah, it might be a little undershooting there. Yeah, no. Uh, pr- primary means less for money, more for I want to. Th- make a thing maybe as a segue into actually getting into the industry but uh i i, I digress uh you know we gotta get to an llc <laughs> money uh, definitely wasn't the focus so i'm mm-hmm. really speaking of getting into the quote industry i'm interested to see like grant at a real studio like a like some kind of fucking big you know 
cubicle building. Yeah, well, I don't want to die, so I'm not going to work at a big studio. No, 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 hear me out, hear me out. And you show up, and you're just like, uh, you sit down, and you plug in your PlayStation 1 controller. And and everybody's just like, what the, who the, (laughs) with my my tiny, tiny Wapcom tablet that's like eight inches. (laughs) Oh, my God. And that that I know that I have, I have a bigger tablet and I don't use it because I'm so used to this one. Got the biggest tablets. No, it's interesting how people find their very like particular routes. I think that's um, to draw an analogy to guitar players. There are, you know, hey, yes, I got my flying V just sitting over here in the corner where no one can see it. Um, so, okay, Steven, this will be you and me conversation. Yeah. Um, so there are like guitar players who are like very, um, legitimately skilled in terms of musical prowess. Like they, they understand scaling, they understand, uh, everything to do with musical theory and they have this very robotic way of playing that is a result of their training. Mm. And every once in a generation you get like a Jimi Hendrix who just became, you know, he evolved in a vacuum. He taught himself how to play, and he just has this wildly different way of doing things that creates a whole new way of thinking about the instrument. Or in your case, uh, Grant, the uh, the way that you're creating your art. Yeah, and that's uh, to me. I don't know why that's just like super interesting. Like, not thank, to say that thank every, you, that's very sweet. I don't know that anybody here is gonna like decide that they're just going to start making all their art on a PlayStation controller, but because you have a totally unique way of doing it, I, I assume that that's why your art stands out so much, which is what you were trying to deflect from at the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, I don't do any of this weird bullshit because uh, it makes my art look good. It's more like it makes me, I can draw faster this way. Right, Cause, but cause like, like, Jimi Hendrix didn't like strap his guitar on backwards because <laughs> it made his fucking guitar sound good. It was because it was necessary for him yeah. to do, right? <laughs> like, you can put Grant's to Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. It, I mean, Grant could be like world famous in like 10 years for all yeah, I know. And I'll be know, like, hey, Grant, remember me? Always, he's always be famous for something. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, no. <laughs> I always knew I'd be famous. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, the the reason I have these weird things is just like the what like one any artists out there like like don't learn to make masterpieces, make a lot of short, easy to make stuff over and over, and make it as fast as you possibly can. That's how that's how you actually improve. Like, and that's speed run experience. Yeah, I made like like 10 animations in like two weeks. Yeah, that was nuts. Uh, you'd, you'd spend like eight to 10 hours a day just making it. No, it was, it was like 15 hours a day. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, here's this thing. And it's like a 10 second short with no audio. And it's like, cool. Uh, how much of your soul did that take? Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I love that you got, you got the job here by like, well, I have two weeks of experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. It's kind of like uh, I got my project manager job with Call of Ragnar by making a PowerPoint on why you should not hire me. And they were like, this looks great. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do business. Nice. Um, 
Uh, where was I going with this? We, were we still talking about level design to some extent? Like, I, I know we kind of got through the intersectionality part of it, but like the philosophy overall, again, I compared it early on to Half-Life, but do you have an influence that's not Half-Life perhaps uh, that uh, yeah. lends itself to your level design? Probably closer to a Red Faction. Uh, okay. I think back when I was 10, if anyone doesn't know, Red Faction is a first-person shooter released in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. The PC version came with a level editor, which uh, kind of changed my life. I think I was like nine years old, nine or ten years old, and I got into it immediately. Uh, I started making gigantic rooms with a bunch of friendly and enemy things fighting each other with one texture plastered on it. And then that eventually evolved into learning how to do UV mapping, texturing things, uh, which actually got me into 3D modeling more so than like any kind of 2D asset creation or anything like that. So Uh, what took you from that to Doom? uh, So Doom had a level editor. Uh, I used DeepSea for a while. Uh, And then about... Eight years later, I was like, oh, shit, I can, like, replace things. So it's not just, like, vanilla. Only eight things. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and so I just started experimenting with that a whole bunch. Uh, started making a project called Sigmata, which was just a intended to be, like, a survival uh, co-op mod for uh, Skulltag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that got rebooted later on for... Uh, Xandronum dropped that in favor of Roland's Frontier. Uh, learned a lot of harsh lessons uh, once people actually played Sigmata. Like, uh, Br- Bridge actually playtested it on the stream and ripped the fuck into it, and I was like, holy shit. There's, like, a whole bunch of things I didn't even think about initially. But, uh, yeah. And now it's just I I use GZDoom because it's the engine I'm the most familiar with right now. Uh, there's something kind of magical about Doom where you just start drawing a level and you've got gameplay. And uh-huh. what that does to like the creative process for me is crazy. Where I can try an idea in like 30 seconds instead of like, oh, I got to make a model for this thing and set it up, get its collision ready, texture it, and put it in. And oh, nope, it was nothing or it wasn't fun. Or, doesn't look good. I think that's why Doom is Doom as an engine has in, has a maintained a state like a current like popularity like so for so long. Yeah, yeah. Low uh, low skill floor, high skill ceiling, like a lot of potential. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I guess it's a natural lead in here. Um, I I'm desperately looking for the person who like fucking hates Bridgeburner. Like I can't find them. I know they exist. I'm sure they do. But like, you know, there's a lot of people kind of gravitating around, you know, the Hellforge community in general. And obviously like for many, many reasons other than just bridge burner being a super nice person, um, people gravitate towards that community because it's like a hub for folks like yourself who are fantastic you know, level designers and, and, and or, or looking to improve their skills as a level designer uh, in, in doom particularly but kind of overall and i didn't expect that i really like as i said earlier on um like seeing some of the projects that are not gzdm projects uh that are popping up in the hellforge studios catalog 
really interested me. Um, but in your case, uh, I'm curious, like what's, I kind of touched on this, like in the, the little mini interview we did, what is it about, uh, that, that community, that group and, and this, you know, quote studio that, uh, made you say like, yes, that's the route for me. A rare combination of like, Bridge is good. He knows it. So he's got an ego, but he's also really nice about it. Uh, he seems to be really in control of his actions. So like he's charismatic and he's helpful. Like I've, I've directly, like I could just ask him questions about like, Hey, how's this shit working on uh, ultimate doom builder? Or how'd you do that? And he's like, Oh, there's this. And it's like, Oh shit. Right on. Uh, so like see, seeing someone like that, who, uh, there's there's been previous members of the Doom community who made really great looking levels and really ambitious projects who have been largely unapproachable in my opinion. Yeah. I won't go into who, but Mark. Maybe. Mark Mark's Mark's kind of improved lately. I love Mark. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like that, that was an in, that was an interesting <laughs> one to see. But uh Okay, off the tangent of Mark. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So I, I got this. Apologies. I I remember his uh, one of his first mods was like uh, Armageddon, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that, and I was like, "Oh man, this is like these are like some cool ass effects. Uh, uh, these weapons look pretty cool. They function neat. Uh, oh, when's he going to continue us? And then he didn't. He went on to Brutal Doom, and then. I mostly heard secondhand about his interactions with the community. So that's just a bit of caution, I guess, from my end. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah, it's Got a Sergeant it. Mark. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but every time I've seen him lately, he seems like a pretty well-balanced dude. I mean, I, uh, I legitimately, like, I actually, as a person, love Mark. He's grown up a lot. That's all I'll say. Like, yeah. You know, it took, it, it, there's, when you when you blow up to that level of many people looking at what you do at that age when you're stupid and you know on the on the internet <laughs> i mean i'm glad i'm glad i wasn't like as on the internet um at that age that's all i love mark he's a great guy but yeah i get i get what you're saying like that's why i brought him up is because like he was notoriously one of those unapproachable like are you going to get anything out of this guy kind of things yeah, but no, he, he's he's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, there, there's a lot of people who, I, at the very least, I believed on on that end was like, oh, I can't really approach this person, or like, oh, they're not going to talk to me about anything. And then Bree just kind of just like, you talk to him and he answers without. Uh, that that's weird to me for some reason. I yeah, I, I was I was like in the Doom community from like 2012 to 2015 ish, and that was a very different era for the community compared to like now where everyone's kind of really just open about things. Everyone's willing to help each other out more. It seems. Uh, people there seem there used to be this similar. like a uh, idea that you had to like pr- protect the business, you know, like yeah. you to, the tools of the trade are like only for the, the hard or whatever. And like now it's again, as you said, very open, very uh, generous yeah. Fa- family secret shit like that really bothers me. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, it's like, it's oh, I can't tell you the recipe. It's a family secret. It's like, okay, the, your recipe's never going to get any better now. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. 
Oh yeah, that's another big thing. Like sharing your ideas with other people kind of like subjects it to criticism and maybe improves it. That's a very unique to our generation thought process, you know. Yeah. It's because the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Lost Thanks, internet. <laughs> God, God bless. Papa bless internet. But, uh, <laughs> Steven, have you run anything like that on the programming side? Like where you're like, I would really like to know how to do this. I wish someone would teach me or help me and just. Oh, so I run into a lot of stuff. Yeah. Where I, oh yeah, <laughs> I spend a lot of time reading ZDoom forum stuff, which it's a mixed bag. Like Yikes. I'll have yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a well, yeah. it's a isn't it like it's a forum plus programmers? It's th- basically the the ones that matter are like you know the graph. I think its name is Graph Z, and I always ignore the <laughs> it's names. Graph. It's Graph, yeah. Mm-hmm. His post droids, they're very pro- like protective of old school Doom stuff but he made gz doom and that always confuses me actually have a theory on that one yeah and it's so i'll have a a question and the answer is it's always a deep dive that takes me hours or something sometimes i'll go over to like the z doom discord and ask questions a lot of the times i get asked for a lot of specific stuff and it sometimes it doesn't seem necessary but okay well, the thing it's always you, you always get back is why would you do that? <laughs> or oh, right, like my current like problem was I'm trying to get the coordinate system to interact with me nicely so I can get an enemy to move, and it just seems like no one is thinking about getting relative coordinates to a monster, and I'm like, that seems really important. Why is this not a thing I can do with like a, a regular function? I gotta do it via math. <laughs> using sine and cosine to like specifically do a thing i just stole things from like uh math forums to get things done in my programming uh a lot of but like i'll look to people like the most the best things i can get is like oh there's a project that did the thing we kind of want to do and i look in like how did they do that I look inside I'm like oh okay i understand this now and like that helps a lot in Doom. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh yeah, the disease script forms is or not the forms, but the wikis. Whew. Like no documentation. <laughs> you kind of have to guess what everything does. Uh, the important stuff has documentation, but there's some offshoot things that you have zero clue what they do. Yeah. Before we implement stuff, like I always try to like make sure steven is there in the call with us because it's like hey here's a here's an idea for for a very simple obvious mechanic that would be so easy to implement in any other game engine it's like steven can we do it and the answer is not yes most most of the time usually it's like maybe except with this caveat they might go to space space Uh, program happens yeah the the slugs can (laughs) swim but maybe they fly Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. To, to get back to Mike, though, like, um, yeah, Bridge, Bridge, like, very much, like, swept up the CAC Awards last year, uh, like, very neatly and cohesively. And I, I, as an outsider, like, I'm not a game designer, I'm not a level designer by any stretch of the imagination. So I only understand, you know, what I enjoy. I don't understand, like, the, the ins and outs, the tropes of the business, that kind of thing. And 
and I have to wonder, as as a dear friend of him, like, is it really because his level design is just that damn good, or is it because he's so good at communicating mm. what he does? Uh, he communication, yeah, is yeah. very also, powerful. <laughs> Bridge, forgive me for this. Your levels look great. Uh, I'm not sure. Like shit. I hated Bastion of Chaos. No, so like. Uh, so I'm not into slaughter maps. I uh, I don't know. It it seems kind of mindless to me, or it seems more like busy work to like fight in a slaughter map where it's just kind of shooting at a horde of enemies. And that is primarily what Bridge designs. Mm-hmm. And I ain't gonna fault him for that. It's just funny that like every time I see his architecture or whatever, I'm like, holy shit, how'd you do that? And I see 50 enemies in like a hallway, and I'm like, oh. Mike, you're that episode of Battlefield Friends where the noob is just like looking at the architecture. There's too many, and, and like yeah. everyone else, no, everyone else in the team is like in this intense firefight, and like he's <laughs> just like tr- sip drinking a cup of wine and like looking yeah. at paintings. I mean, yeah. So, so I think I, I suspect Bridge before getting into Doom at all. Uh, had a lot of like interest in architecture. I mean, he's he's like a contractor, I think, or he does. Uh, he's a construct. He does construction work. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. would line up. So, <laughs> so he he picked up his uh, his book of like fourth grade uh, geometry, and like picked up the doom the doom uh, builder and went to fucking town. I can't so wait he to hear his reaction to this. To this. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. So like. Yeah, it, it very like geometry, but really, really good ass looking geometry. Yeah, colored and overlapping in a way that's super aesthetically pleasing. And I know he definitely puts a lot of thought into the actual timing of fights, the uh, like what enemy or what enemy compositions are, the ammo balance and stuff like that. It's just all in, on my end. It's all in service to a type of gameplay that I don't enjoy. My my little dig i guess into bridge would be like i i agree with you i'm not i'm also not for i don't even want to say i'm not a fan of slaughter it's just like i'm not a uh slaughter map guy bridge burners map design is fantastic it is absolutely like from a, a an archaeological standpoint like this is amazing like he and he pays attention to such small details that i would never even give a fuck about you know as a, as a player uh, and the same thing with Arlene. I had the same discussion with her. Uh, but it, the 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 word is, is it fun? And I know he puts a lot of effort into, you know, making the difficulty leveling uh, very sensual. I was going to say sensual, but making sense <laughs> to players, not in a sensual way. The bridge burner is a very sensual guy. <laughs> I know, first hint. Um, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Taser didn't happen. Uh, well, yeah. Oh no! <laughs> no I, but I, I get the, I get the stance that like this is it. He he specializes in a very particular game play style that is not it's not common. You know, like slaughter maps are one in a million being half decent, if at all. He popularized that genre coming back and being playable to a fairly normal doomer like myself. Like I can beat Bastion of Chaos on the easiest difficulty. If I have to age of hell, you know, who fucking knows. And that'll be a totally new when it does come out, a totally new 
style of game for a lot of people who do end up playing it because they will have never experienced anything like that coming from just like your your typical Steam game, first person shooter, Dusk, uh, Wrath, that, that kind of shit. All this a very long winded way of saying that I'm very interested in seeing how his critique on games that are not in that style like yours, like your foamies, like all the other people who are involved. I keep saying foamy. He's my favorite. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> seeing his influence on games that are not in his particular genre um, with his, with his touch on it is extremely interesting to me. Like how, do, how much does that architectural and that level design standpoint stand up when not in the the slaughter genre okay Uh, i'm done with my tangent i'm sorry (laughs) uh if i could answer that tangent with uh like every every time i see him so he does a lot of play testing of the like uh, wads and whatnot and uh he he's pretty consistent with his critiques uh and you usually like i know they're pretty spot on he knows the enemy balance of doom 2 really really well Mm mm-hmm uh, like the shell, the shell ratio to arc vial ratio, like really technical shit like that, and then actually making it. Like if, if he didn't make slaughter maps, I feel like I'd probably enjoy his maps a whole lot more gameplay wise. And then looking at Age of Hell, how it starts off as not like a slaughter map kind of thing, that maybe it's a bit more balanced towards small and large fights. Uh, that's something I'm interested in playing, and if I end up enjoying that, uh, sweet. Like that's kind of a big test, I guess. <laughs> like getting a non-slaughter map player to play slaughter map like scenarios and enjoying themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure Bridge doesn't like find where I live and kill me. No, he yeah. lives in New Zealand. He can't get to you. He'd have to like. He'd, he'd have to like un upside down himself first, and oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, hard. Yeah. yeah, he you know like Stranger Things. He lives in the upside down, literally. Yeah, his toilet to- flushes. <laughs> his when he flushes his toilet, it's, it blows shit back up his ass. He'd like, have to pull his dick out of that sheep first, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. What? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, so after our long extended pee pee break. <laughs> or whatever. Um, we uh, we got through a lot here. We got through a lot of uh, like the, the core level design and the programming and the artwork and everything. But I'm I'm really just curious at this point. Um, what are your intentions as a game studio? Like we we talked a little bit about you know Relentless Frontier that'll come out and then we'll work on something else. But like, do you have plans explicitly, or is it just uh, kind of- yeah, we do. Uh, so before we set this up, we talked, there was like a year period where we just talked about like game pitches and whatnot Mm -hmm. and did some like concept art for them. Uh, so our next project is actually combo clip, which is another first person shooter. Uh, not sure how much info I'm supposed to spill on that yet, but we do got plans. (laughs) Or even how much of it would be accurate anyway. How much of it would be accurate anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually we need to actually get our name established. It was originally going to be whatever works game works, which it's casual field, but looks really horrible to potential investors or on a portfolio. Uh, 
Fission Ogre is probably what we're going with. Uh, once we actually get to the point to where we're known for anything other than Relentless Frontier or whatever our names are individually. But that's probably going to be what we actually register under. Okay. So what does Fission Ogre do in your mind? Like, what, what's that project look like? Uh, Fission Ogre does fission. And Ogre. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Fission Ogre does a lot Get of Get out of my swamp. Uh, lots of action, lots of shooters. Uh, basically, all of our relevant experience is with action games and shooter games. Uh, things like RTS or turn-based strategy. Uh, role-playing games. Uh, best I got for that is Dungeons & Dragons. But Dude, uh, I'd love to make a horror game. Oh, horror game? Shit, yeah. Dude, want to do it. I'm a big fan of horror games. <laughs> Shit. Make I a have a game. reputation for this. <laughs> I can guarantee you free exposure for a said horror game. Shit, all right. Uh, okay, uh, Relentless Frontier cancelled. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, big Willie's Adventure 2 in stores now. What happened to Big Cleese Adventure 1? <laughs> That's the mystery, dude. You're looking for this one in this haunted house. Oh, oh of course. So, but, uh, so Stephen, what's your, what's your pitch for a horror game? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, I'm terrible at ideas. <laughs> not, not a horror game. A horror game. Uh, horror? Horror. horror. <laughs> With two horrors. Two horrors? Yeah, not the one or Not the horror game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was very confused. I'm like, wait, am I missing something? <laughs> Man. Like, for me, I, I always, like, play horror games and stuff, and they all do the same thing with jump scares. Nah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Can you actually make me scared, right? Building an atmosphere, right? You, you know, you got to build an atmosphere, and it's like, um, I, I would want to do something more along the lines of psychological horror, where your own brain is basically where all the fear is coming from. And so, like, an idea I've been playing around with, I have no clue how to get it to actually work. It's, like, the main character, you start off in, like, your apartment complex in the city, and when you wake up, everything seems normal, it's life as usual, you're getting ready for work. Sweet. And, like, you look at the television, news is on there, normal and stuff, and, like, you can hear your neighbors arguing or something, or just normal ambient sounds. And then, like, you leave your apartment, and slowly but surely as you make your way like to work you start to notice something that like you haven't really seen anyone really and it's like really weird in a big city because you're like where is everyone and it's like it just starts to like like really settle in that like wait where did everyone go i might be alone in the city now what happened and that's like as far as i've gotten with this idea <laughs> where it's it's like trying to play with that whole you're, you're in your own head kind of thing. I am a huge fan of horror games. <laughs> Not horror games again. Horror games. <laughs> horror. horror, horror. <laughs> yes. Um, oh man. The have you played Happy's Humble Burger Farm? Nope. Oh wait. I th- I'm, no, no, I haven't. I may have watched it on like YouTube. <laughs> have you played any of the Dreadx Collection games? Nope. No. Y'all motherfuckers is sleeping. What is Dreadx? What? what? You're what gonna feel this? like a total jackass. 
Well, yes. He's here. Y'all, y'all motherfuckers is sleeping. Grant <laughs> might play horror games. He might have to. Uh, he's he might be on his way in. He he's he says he's here. Oh All no. Right. Cool. No worries. Grant. The search. We're talking sketch. about horror games, not horror games. Um, and I understand that you may have a take on horror games. Uh. <laughs> Resident Evil is my favorite franchise in games. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of like in, that's not because it's a horror series. It's because it, it, much like the T virus, it keeps mutating. Uh, and uh, it's mm. like, I only have, I have like six <laughs> games from it for, that are on my like masterpiece, like five out of five games. And it's like the, Three of those are Resident Evil games. Anywho, uh, horror games. Uh, do you want like horror? Like, I'm not uh, familiar with horror games. More uh, survival horror. That's fine. Like, uh, I don't like. Go- I haven't really played many. Uh, like Slender or Outlast. Have you played Conscript? Never heard of it. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um it's it's just a demo at this point, but uh we're we're showing I believe we're showing a trailer for it at Realm Steep. I don't want to speak out of turn here, but yeah. Conscript is uh all right, I'll give you the, the, the elevator pitch as well as I can. Imagine you are a soldier in World War One in the trenches of Verdun, France, and you are um uh, obviously confronted by German soldiers who are like obviously in- influenced by the occult. This would be a top down. I know you're a big fan of top down from what I've heard of you say earlier, um, kind of sprite work sort of artwork. And uh, you are forced to confront these enemies in a very resident evil style like where you're aiming your weapon. You can't shoot, like you can't move at the same time kind of thing. And you are very unsure of whether or not you're facing the German army or the, uh, this weird occultic, like strange um, zombie esque enemy. Hmm. That's, that's conscript. And and I I love it. I'm really a huge fan of it. Yeah, I guess anything where combat isn't always the best approach, uh, and you don't want to encounter enemies. I guess that could be horror. Uh, that's I, yeah, that's survival horror. Yeah, I I have a really skewed perception of on horror because most of my exposure to it is a uh, oh fucking phasmophobia. Actually, me and Steven play that. That's like a really good one. There's uh, you never really know what's going to happen. You're mostly helpless. Uh, best you can do is plan for things. Uh, failure kind of like shows up when you least expect it. Oh, so this, these are like uh, 3D models that uh, they reduce the resolution on for Conscript. I'm looking at a trailer. Oh, for Conscript. Okay. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, if I can forgot about Phasmophobia, that's like, uh-huh. that's a game that I love and we like still play sometimes. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I I guess I don't think about horror too much. M- most of most of what I get through on it is just uh, loud noise or some kind of sting and something moved. There's a whole bunch of fake outs, and then when the actual thing shows up, it's just like, all right, danger. Uh, I guess I'll resolve this. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas the uh, yeah, I, I don't. I guess I haven't seen a lot of things that do the anticipation correctly, or the uh, the kind of mind games where it's not just uh, startling the viewer, or the player. It's just yeah, yeah. They're actually paranoid, like after the media, like something that follows them into real life, and they're like, oh shit. Uh, well, you you saw it follows with us. Oh, yeah. And like you, you told me you had a moment where like your dad was walking up yeah. to you, like when you're uh, fix- opening your car. Yeah, <laughs> that's a movie uh, I can never watch again because it freaked me out too much. I, uh, I recently, as of recording, not really as of the release of this, but I did an interview with Disaster Piece, who did the soundtrack to It Follows. Really? Oh, nice. oh. yeah. Uh, coincidentally, you know, he, he did the soundtrack to that movie as well as having done the soundtrack to Fez and Hyperlight Drifter and some other indie games. Uh, and yeah, really cool guy. Really, really cool guy. But uh, that movie, like, uh, what was that? Like 2013, 2014? Yeah, it's pretty like old that. by now. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it in high school with my best friend and that movie fucked me up. Like seriously, it's it's the movie that's most that has most fucked with my daily like thoughts. Where it's just like I tr- I have to tr- try not to actually think about it. That's yeah. how like creepy the concept is, and it's the simplest concept. It follows. It's it's right there. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, if you put your, put your dick in a bitch kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, you know, like it, it it's it's a very uh, oh yeah that easily. Very easily, people take that movie and say it's about STDs. Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily personally say that, but like I get where they're coming from. What's well, one interpretation? It's like, um, it's yeah. like how the the xenomorph is like a is like a it it follows his metaphor for STDs. Uh, the xenomorph is a metaphor for rape. Mm. Think, think about well, remember the like the uh, original Alien. Like, yeah. how does how I does it end? Where I can I can definitely see where you come from. And like, I mean, as much as I enjoy seeing Sigourney Weaver in yeah. that garb. No man, she's got like eighties ass or seventies ass. Like <laughs> women weren't allowed to have large asses back then. Well, white women weren't allowed yeah, to true. have large asses. Or, uh, we hadn't uh, uh, white folks. We hadn't figured it out yeah. yet. We didn't know what it was all about. It was, it was another um, another example. Is like uh, the the thing is about just paranoia and like well, the original thing was about uh, communism. It's like the the, the mm-hmm. threat within. It'll yeah. they'll it'll become you. <laughs> yeah, but it was also a really cool movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I I don't care much about the subtext. Well, this is no this uh, that, that's the uh, the thing from another world. Uh, the John Carpenter's the thing was a remake of that, and I don't, yeah. that's not really about anything except paranoia. Yeah. So like going back to it follows where. Uh, yeah, it's apparently about STDs. I, that's my least favorite aspect of it, or the th- part I least care about. Yeah, the thing I care about more is uh, it's nighttime and I'm going out to my car, and I randomly just feel like, oh, I better hurry up and move, or else the thing will ca- or it'll catch up to me. And it's like, wait a minute, no, that's fucking stupid. You know what I care about most about that movie? What? Where's my wife at? Hold on, Mike and Marin I love her so much. Uh, yeah. She she's so cool in that movie. Like uh I don't know I don't know why. Like she was also in my favorite movie of all time, which is The Guest. 
Um, it's right up there with the Sin City, I think. I, those are my two. Like, I battled between those two for guest. the best movie ever. Oh, the guest is that uh, one with the handsome British, handsome guy who is British who had, does a perfect American accent. Yes. Yeah. That okay. Is, yeah. Uh, that's that's yeah, how I know Dan about it because because I watched the review. Sorry. Dan Stevens, uh, who was the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, uh, the Disney remake uh, live action version thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and also he was in Downton Abbey. I want to believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever. You know, who cares? That is one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm a huge uh, fan of just like the the team behind that movie in general, which would be um, Adam Wingard. Was the director, I believe. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, and he he's fantastic. He, like, he, he did uh, ABC's of Death. You're next. Um, your next was fantastic yeah. as well. I haven't seen a lot of these because uh, I'm I'm fucking poor, so I can't. I don't like go to the movies a lot. Can I can I invite you to a join in the Keep Discord server? I do a as much as I can like movie night, and we will definitely watch the guest 100. percent Oh, it's like it's that. on the list. It's. Just- yeah. But now it yeah. now it's like oh man I just want to work. Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, Throw me that yeah. link. Yeah, I well, I I, uh, <laughs> I wish listed con- the conscript or conscript. It looks cool. But uh, anyway, yeah. Back to it follows. <laughs> the reason why I love that movie so much is because Micah Monroe, her her character is like, obviously she's very very beautiful. We'll leave that on the table, but she's like so good at just uh, portraying this, not damsel in distress. I guess that's where I'm coming from. It's not a movie about a, like a girl who's like, Ooh, I'm so scared no, or whatever. Very, like, very much. Not. Get a lot. Yeah. Like she's like this, like she's a female who is also, um, the, the she's the strong man in the character, the strong man in the film. You know, she's the, the person who's, driving the whole story forward. And that's what I like about it. Um, mm. re- regardless of like the social implications, it's just like a unique and cool thing. And, and the fact that it, in to kind of tangentially go back to what we're talking about, the fact that it has this like kind of sexual context or whatever, makes it all the more horrifying because you see it through her lens. You don't just see it through like this, like, um, like, 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 you don't just see it through her, or through some guy's like interpretation of what's happening. You see it through like her particular view of what this would be like to be stalked constantly by this like yeah. mistake that you made when you were a, a kid. Well, it's, you know? it's like the, the, the one of the things, one of the things about that film is just like, sh- it, it's so it's, you're so into her mind and like yeah. just the, the world that she lives in where it's like, uh, why doesn't she tell her parents? Like, well, why the fuck would she tell her parents? Like, they think she's crazy. But she tells her friends. She tells like uh, her sister. And it's like uh, you like accept that because like the film does a really good job of like putting you in their mind. Like, th- you're not just like seeing snippets of like the highlights of their lives. You're seeing like uh, when they were when they're just talking out on the grass with that with like the guy who gave it to her. And she's like uh, fiddling with the grass and like pulling it out and setting it down. And it's like, yeah, I like I used to do shit like that. Yeah. And it's like you completely get into their minds. Yeah, it's a it's a transference of consciousness to something that I don't understand Uh, as as articulately as I possibly can. That's how I'm trying to say it. Uh, I do not know what it's like to be a teenage girl. Uh, that movie made me understand like that's 
that's probably what it's like. Yeah. You know? I heard that's uh, that's how um, uh, not the guess it's uh, get out was that mm-hmm. for black people where it's like uh, the end of that movie. Like I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's like people like white people were watching it and were in their minds. They like something happened and like to them, they had the exact same reaction to it that like a black person would have. And it was like, uh, that was like what Jordan Peele was trying to get across. I mean, I, I won't pretend to like understand that point of view, but for sure, like um, get out, was weird because it was like a rubber film, you know, it was, uh, and when I say rubber film, I mean like, like the movie rubber, uh, and you know what I mean? Like where it's like this, uh, totally inaccessible to most people psychologically. Like what, what the fuck is going on here? It's a, it's a, how do you define even what rubber film is that it's, uh, you're talking about the film with the killer tire, right? Yeah, the telekinetic tire, uh, which is it, it. That movie in itself is a play on the term a rubber film. That's why it's called that. Uh, another example would be like Phantasm. If you've ever seen Phantasm, no, I know, I know about. It. I know about the balls that are shoot into your face and the yeah. all your blood flies out. It's it's tragically inaccessible to the vast majority of people. It's like, what is this? What am I viewing? But like to the people who get it, it's like totally understandable. It's bizarre for the sake of being bizarre. If I may say, or uh, like, have you, have you seen yoga hosers? Kevin Smith? movie? No, I, I've, I know of it. Have you seen Tusk? No, I, I know. Like, again, I, I don't watch movies. I used to okay. just watch a shit ton of reviews cause I don't like yeah. pirate stuff. And so like, I don't see a lot yeah. of this shit. It's sort of this horror avant-garde thing where it's like you make a movie that's totally, completely bizarre only for the sake of being so. And that's what, for me, that's what I define a rubber film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rubber being the most easily accessible example of that. And yeah, uh, we're going on a wild fucking tangent, but uh, all that to say essentially that when you... uh, when you view something that is like completely incomprehensible to you, you're one of two kinds of people where you you get it or you don't get it. Um, that can also be transferred to games to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, not everybody's going to totally understand why Resident Evil 4 is so special. Some people just play it and they see like, okay, this was like a fun experience. Head, or head, ex- head explosions. Yeah. It's a bunch of action. Yeah. Fuck yeah, bro. Or they understand why that game is so particularly good. That game cheats. <laughs> it cheats, but it's also yep. well. I've described it as like uh, it's like like the the term goat, like greatest of all time. That's kind of RE four is kind of that for me. Not because it's like better than any other game ever. It's just it is the perfect combination of gameplay, uh, your how your primary your primary combat loop, how that feeds into the rest of the game, how everything is connected because you think that like every shot matters, and then like every like all oh, this perfectly put together uh, thing, and then like on top of that, it's also really long, and then on top of that, on top of that, it's like they never um they never reuse a section. Like pretty much every section is wholly unique in some way, even if like I know like Mike has heard that he say this like what like half a dozen times. Like uh, El Gigante, 
uh, first first Eligante fight, like it's a, it's him, and there's and you have a wolf with you, and he's in like you can grab uh, uh, the trees, and it's like okay, that's okay. You think okay, that's the Eligante fight. Then the, the, the second optional one is like no, Ashley's with you now, and uh, you're in. You actually have to like keep going forward in this linear way, and so it's the same monster. It's completely different though how you fight it. And then the third Heligante fight is there's two of them and like you can cheat and like kill one, but it's like much more fun to just k- take them out, fight them both. And lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like same, like same enemy, but like you just remix it slightly. And it's like, that's why our not, RE4 is never stale. It's never, Oh, we're a platinum game. We're just going to keep throwing the same boss at you over and over. And it's like, so it's like all all these things plus it's and plus it's long. It's like all these things fitting together perfectly is why like RE4 is I consider like the, the goat because it's like no other game has literally everything like RE4 did. So I think that'll be a good tangent for us to go on here and to kind of like close everything up here. Mike, what is your favorite game of all time? And you can't say RE4. Fuck. Uh... It can be from an objective level or it can be from a personal level. It doesn't matter, but just define which one. Let me say. So Doom was pretty formative. Like, I, I played that when I was <laughs> yeah, like five. Hmm. Yeah, gee. No, I, so I played Doom when I was like five. That was my first intro to like a first person shooter or an action game. Uh, and then I beat it, and the thing that scared me the most about it was uh, Daisy's Impaled Head. And I didn't know how to get off that screen. I remember like, running and screaming to my dad about it. But uh, uh, it's not something, or it's something I've thought a lot about, and usually my my answer is I don't have a favorite game. It's mm-hmm. subject to change really rapidly. Uh, for the longest time, Stalker, uh, specifically like modded Call of Pripyat, was my favorite. Uh, Red Faction was my favorite for a long time. I, I tend to stick to shooter genres. But uh, other than that, favorite game, fuck if I know. <laughs> it's interesting, uh, just to kind of go on a little tangent about that, is there are so many, I mean, like, a wildly disproportionate amount of people who say, when I ask this question, stalker. Um, and I don't know if that's just like a, an attachment to the film, to the to the game, to the, the novel even. The but, setting. Yeah, it it's like the atmosphere, right? It's, yeah. it's the uh, ability for a game to just really embed you in a world. Yeah, it it plays like a role playing game without stat increases. Yeah, uh, you physically as a person while you're playing it is getting better at taking down enemies. Like like when you first start the game, you'll get taken out by low grade bandits because you couldn't see where they were coming from. You mm-hmm. didn't think to look at certain places. You don't know where anomalies are. Whereas that game kind of forces you to learn or else you'll just get wiped out super fast. Uh, and then there's a certain point you hit where you're, you're, you're just doing like a side errand where you're just running like an artifact to someone. Uh, you're just trying to build up the rubles and you're just, you're taking the most optimal path through uh, something filled with anomalies, something that has really dangerous uh, mutants in it. 
Uh, you know exactly which geometry to jump on to get past them. Uh, you know certain routes that th- attempting to do this, like earlier on, even if you had the same equipment, you just die repeatedly to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start getting into firefights where you know where enemies are coming from, not peak based on any radar pings or anything, but just, uh, okay, where do they normally patrol? Uh, it, it's a game that makes you think a lot. And the thought you do with it ends up being second nature. And it just, it's a really cool feeling. Would, would you say it puts you like the biggest, the like if you could boil it down to one point, it's just, it puts you into the world and you don't even like feel like you're like oh, yeah. thinking about it mechanically yeah. anymore. There was a point where I was eating ravioli out of a can. Cause like, I was just like, hell yeah, I'm a real stalker now. Cause it was Wednesday. Cause yeah, it was Wednesday. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Uh, the uh, so the immersion on that's fucking crazy. Uh, like uh, call a Pripyat when you go to uh, when you go to Pripyat. Uh, first time I went there, you get taken there by like kind of a military group. I met up there and I left, and it was just super heavy rain. It was nighttime. My only light source was lightning, or if I wanted to get spotted, a flashlight. I didn't have night vision, and I. Th- that entire like I have to get to this point without dying, and I'm actually like that. That was a horror moment, I guess, in an unintentionally like not specifically a horror game, but the dread of like having to fight things or what the fuck's gonna be in that building. Uh, that was that's that's like a particular moment I remember a whole lot, and that was like that was back when Pripyat first came out. I was like unmodded, but uh. So, yeah, uh, maybe Stalker, I guess. Steven, you can't say Stalker, Doom, or Resident Evil 4. Easy. Okay, so I'm, I'm like, tied between, like, multiple games here. Okay. I think I'm going to... Because one is controversial, because I could say Final Fantasy XII. I played the crap out of that game and loved it. And I look on the internet, they're like, worst game ever! <laughs> I'm like, no, it's good, I swear. Well, if you look at the reviews of Stalker, you'll find a very similar story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but like, Near Automata, it just freaking hit me different, because the, like, the gameplay, like, the, the standard running around gameplay isn't special, but like, going through sections of the game, and you have no clue what genre you're about to go into next. Yeah. Like you've got twin stick shooters and everything in there. And it's just, it keeps it really fresh how often it changes. And like, meanwhile, you've got one of the best like music soundtracks in a game. Like it's very like atmospheric. It tells a story about the world you're in as you're playing it. It's freaking love it. And like, Oh, it's great. Ah. Oh. And I die completely 100% both of those games because I love them so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. And video games fucking suck. I hate them. No, it's if, I have to, if I have to admit literally my <laughs> my favorite games of all time, like, so Doom is out, Resident Evil's out. Uh, the Witcher 3? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I love The Witcher 3. That's... Big time. I love all The Witcher series, like 1, 2, and 3, but like definitely The Witcher 3. It's like my like... mom's second favorite game. <laughs> really? 
Yeah. No, my both my parents play games. Your mom is so cool. <laughs> oh my I'll, gosh. I'll uh I'll make sure she hears this then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing else. My mom would <laughs> never play The Witcher 3. That's insane. Like uh your mom plays like full scale fucking whole world RPGs. Like if you said you know my mom plays Candy Crush, like yeah, okay. Like that's my mom. <laughs> My mom, my mom also plays uh, Elder Scrolls Online and Four Kings Casino. Like, <laughs> so she she gets, dips into both. But like, I want to have a beer with your mom. Like, <laughs> fuck, fuck all these people. Why didn't you bring your mom to the interview? Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. uh, Damn, you're right. You know, and, and is outspokenly against uh, you know, like large AAA studios as I have been. Like, yeah, Witcher Three really stuck with me. Like, that was just like the most complete worlds every single side mission is feels equally as important as anything else you do uh every every action is a consequence like the the amount of detail that they put into the uh crafting that game i have not played cyberpunk up to this date i will eventually when it goes down in price and sure and gets patched uh of course (laughs) just a big tarp thrown over it but even, you know, to, to argue the point, like that's the nature of, I hate it for the studios and I hate it for the people who are like really creatively behind it. But that's the nature of what they do at this point. Like the Witcher three was dog shit on launch, like really bad um, in terms of performance. And I'm a PC gamer. So performance matters to me. Um, I'm the opposite. I'm a PC gamer. Cause I don't care. I just want everything in one place. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it I, runs worse. That's fine. I, I initially played that game on the PS3, probably, and it was fine, you know. But like, I just I finished it on the the PC because it's the way to play it, and it's it's definitely got some performance issues. And, and it even to date, you know, even to now when it's been patched all the hell and back, it still will not use your GPU. It's gonna suck the CPU straight out of your. You know, computer, which is fine. Like, you know, I've got the power to run it, but like the guys who own Maya make this game. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Just, by the uh, by the way, anyone listening, don't learn Maya. Learn Blender. It's much better and free. <laughs> Blender's pretty good. Shout outs to Blender. Shout outs to Blender. Totally not. Yeah. What, what you call it? Like, all right. Oh, Back around the table. Grant, favorite movie of all time. Uh, here's the thing: I don't. I have a favorite game because RE4 is like head and shoulders above everything that's ever been made. Uh, favorite movie? Don't have one. Uh, you don't like movies? No, I like. I love movies. Uh, but a thing is, um, uh, a game. Okay, a movie has for me to be it to be like not dog shit that I don't want to watch again. It has to already. It basically has to be perfect. There, every like every scene has to be good. Every like character has to be written correctly, and like it all has to lead somewhere. And it's like if there's one bad scene in the movie, it's like, well, that movie's good, but do I really want to watch it with that scene in it? So, it, what movie comes closest? Well, like the okay, the re, but like the point. But let me finish. Uh, <laughs> a game, my my that because of this, every good there's tons and tons of good movies that I love. But it's like if for games, a, a game can have like a 
big, like a sizable portion of it be just bad and I'll still enjoy it. Cause just because it's a, because it's a game I can like, I don't know. Something about it is more engaging to me. Like, so it's like the, the interactivity. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> and so it's like, there's one bad room in RE4. It doesn't ruin, it doesn't come close to ruining the game. Uh, I, pl- I play like so many games that have so many problems that I still love them. Cause like the standards for games are different. That's why RE4 is like the best. And there's like a couple that are behind it. Films. Sure. There's like a hundred fi- masterpiece films on RE4's level, basically that are like l- wonderful. And it's like, because a movie is much easier to make because it's uh, just the art. It's not the art mixed with gameplay. That's why it, like movies are, more often better than a game gun to your head what's what movie stands out to you right at the second uh, mad, mad max fury road that's I knew it. One. yeah <laughs> we watched okay. uh, since, uh the first yeah. in city like is really good too yeah. dude no hold on we're about to go on a whole fucking different like this might be 40 more minutes of the podcast since it <laughs> is I, I said the guest earlier right when yeah. we were all just talking Sin City is like battling for number one for me at all times with the guest. The guest and uh, oh my god, Sin City is such a great movie. <laughs> like yeah. I love I, Robert Robert fucking Rodriguez just hit a fucking home run with that movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's before Frank Miller went like full on crazy. So like, I mean. I mean, I like the Frank Miller Batman, like the original Batman Returns. If you're, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much of a comic book fan you could do a whole new fucking fan, yeah. round on comic books. Uh, God damn it, I love Sin City so much. It's a per- it's a really interesting because it's it's a it's like it should be a stupid stupid like movie, but it's like yeah. and it is exactly. But it like it still hits you with like uh, okay, you know the part when um well of course you know the part when uh the detective bruce willis hardigan uh when he's like coming in and like meeting with uh or when he's uh in the he's when he's in the uh when he's with the with when he's with the lady is with the the girl at the uh the hotel and like she's coming on to him and it's like uh there and it's like this really like, fucked up weird situation and it's like uh be, like on the commentary, like Frank Miller was talking about, like he was talking to Bruce Willis and he was like, y- y- like, you got to remember this is, this is like, this is a sad scene. Like you got to play this as like being sad. And like Bruce Willis, like, like stared at him, like, and it's like s- staring into his soul. And like, he was just like, yeah, you just keep telling me that shit. Cause he's like, and, and Frank Miller was like, oh yeah, I'm glad he likes me. And it's like, it's like, that's like, it's it, it it's it's a stupid stupid movie with like larger than life characters, but it can still have like has so many scenes that are just like really raw and and like human like that. It's it, it's the perfect blend of it, like extreme action. I mean, like yeah, you know, Clive, Clive Owen jumping out of a window to like you know jump into a car kind of shit, and then like these really human parts where like, Marv being my favorite character, Marv, yeah. He's yeah, amazing. Like we talked about earlier, like the female gaze a, a little bit, but like the the old man gaze, that's challenging because I'll face that one day. You know, yeah. all of us will. You know, we're, what's it like to be 
a, a 60 year old man confronted with like the, the sexual um, taunting of like, you know, Jessica Alba at her prime, yeah. like that kind of thing. That movie explores everything. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go on a whole fucking <laughs> tirade about how much I love Sin City, but I love that movie so much. Like uh, that movie sucks because it fucked up the colors. Uh, yeah, the color code. <laughs> Look at my colors right now. <laughs> These are Sin City colors and, right here. And the but. one time there's color, it's blood and it's fucking yellow. I don't get what? it, dude. But this the thing is that. Um, so that was on purpose. I, you know. I, I, you know I, what? I, Fuck you, Mike. What's your favorite movie? Wait, wait. Uh, uh, Starship before- Troopers. Yeah, there you go. you're dead, Grant. Fuck off. Uh, before that, uh, have you ever pl- have you ever played uh, Mad World? No, send it to me if it's if it's in any way pertinent to Sin City. Send it to me. It, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, look up Mad. It's black and white. Mad World one one word. It's it's black and white. It's okay. It, it's the plot of the Running Man, but it's in black and white, like actually like black and white. Not like uh, it's not grayscale. It's like black, white, and there's like one character who's gray. And uh, it's the most violent game you'll ever see. It's it's like Manhunt, but like uh, at a casino. Hmm. Just so we're aware, the the black and white on me was originally just like a, a an avoidance of buying expensive lighting to make me. Like, it's just like oh, if I just do grayscale, everything looks great. There you Fuck go. Um, That's pretty good. <laughs> I will take all those games into account, and please do also send me links so that I don't forget. Yeah. My favorite movie of all time, uh, Starship don't Troopers. A- what Starship yeah. Troopers? Yeah, no, it's corny as fuck. They're wearing baseball gear. Uh, fucking like <laughs> my basis of like sci-fi forever. Every single sci-fi I move into, I compare it to Starship Troopers. You compare Star Trek to, I, to, to, to okay. fucking... I watched Star Trek like for the first time probably like two years ago. And that's Which like one? Next Generation. Next Generation. Next Generation, okay. Yeah, yeah, I watched, right. yeah. but before, before that, I was like eight or nine or something, and I watched Starship Troopers because my parents didn't care about the... And I watched it a bunch, and I was like so... I didn't realize that it was parody or not parody, but like I was like, "Fuck yeah, Space Marines!" And and the whole the whole theme of like Space Marines that aren't just big ass power armor dudes who are super powerful, but they're guys that are barely equipped to handle this shit, and they somehow still do, is like <laughs> weirdly inspiring to me. And then I go back and rewatch it more recently, and it's like, no, nah, they're they're totally wearing like baseball gear. And they have no fucking tactics, and it's like a super cynical movie. But no, I, I watched that. I watched the uh, the animated series that came out that treated it like just as an action thing, and I was like, "Yeah!" as a kid. Uh, and then I, I got it. Then like I started going to Doom, where the doom guy is he's pretty badass but he's not like in power armor or whatever he's just kind of a strong dude facing down hell and it's a whole like normal ass technology versus this weird supernatural shit or the unknown that's like really cool to me uh when i play 40k i main the imperial guard because i like line infantry versus impossible technology it's like goofy, but so yeah, no Starship Troopers favorite movie. Uh, 
I also like John Wick. <laughs> I love John Wick too. Yeah. All right, Steven, I can see you're about to like pop. So hmm? what is it for you? Huh? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like different. I'm like, I'm like oh, is, so many is, different movies. There's a puppy on? here. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's yeah. why I'm like, ah, oh, puppy. Anyways, <laughs> um, let's see. The most so I usually watch a movie once and I'm good with it for decades basically. But like Mad Max Fury Road, I straight up watched that movie thirteen times in the span of like a week. I had to show everyone that movie. Yeah. Like uh, Oh my god. The original Mad Max Yeah, I've seen the yeah, original Mad Max. Yeah, we watched it together. It was a weird experience. So like Road Warrior (laughs) didn't did not do it for you. Like not as low, so not as much as like Fury Road, just because mm-hmm. like the practical. Though I look at the movie and I see a lot of like practical effects stuff, and I think that's really cool because when that movie was made, all that stuff is basically like dead to three D. Same, same guy who made you know like March of the Penguins. Yep. Yeah, and babe. exactly. <laughs> and it's uh, I enjoyed that movie a lot. We watched it when we were like dead tired. Yeah. From like looking for job stuff it's a three-hour movie and we didn't even notice like we were just enamored by yeah we were we were looking for jobs all day and it was hot out and we we were i remember how it felt to go into the theater it was like uh it's like you're you're exhausted at the end of the day and like we watched the whole movie no problem yeah we were like oh shit are we even gonna get through this and like be awake and then we leave it like fucking pumped and like Mm -hmm. energetic and it's like holy shit it's a great adventure. Love it. Probably best theater going experience. Like yes, Mike, you pussied out on me. I wanted to watch it like at that at that uh that second run theater. I wanted to watch it all day, and you're like, oh, I only want to watch it once. <laughs> what? I don't, I, that sounds. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I could that. watch any movie like that much. <laughs> I was probably busy with something cool. Like I usually am. Yeah. Always doing cool things. Yeah. Like standing in front of an AC or something. Mm. uh, Or Star Wars. (laughs) Oh, uh, original Star Wars trilogy is pretty good. I cried when seven came out. (laughs) I was so happy for a new Star Wars movie. And then you, your tears turn into a different kind of tears. Eventually. (laughs) Nah, I'm too much of a fanboy. It's perfect in every single way. (laughs) Ha ha. I will ignore its flaws. Oh, uh, my favorite show. I can I can say a favorite show. My favorite show was Game of Thrones. Until season five. No, until season eight, because eight was the nail in the coffin that was like, oh. And then I, I can't I can't go back. I can't go back to watching it. No, eight the season eight's really powerful. It's like retroactively ruins the rest of the series. Like or the, like you can't even go back and just be pretend eight doesn't exist. <laughs> Because you're just like, oh, all this is in service to fucking nothing. That sucks. As a huge fan of the of the book series, uh, from season five and a half on, yeah, that's what I'm everyone like, says. No, I'm out. That's everyone I'm who like, reads the books. They yeah. they had to like make it up themselves. They didn't have any material. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, not, a... I'm not shitting on the writers. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, like, I just didn't enjoy the show. Yeah, as much. yeah. Was that? Here's the here's the here's the thing. Like everyone oh. blames David and Dan. I blame Martin. He had how he it's been t- like, what, 10 years since he's since the fifth book and the sixth book is rumored to come out this year. 
It's like, oh my god! And it's like, dude, like, I like it's totally his fault that that sh- what happened to that show happened because they ran out of books to adapt. I don't give a fuck about the show, first of all. So, like, I'm just like, I think it's conspiracy theory time. He, probably he wanted the show to end in a shitty way, so that his books would be like, "Hey, you want the real story?" Yeah, mm. no, that's pretty smart. I don't know. He's yeah. pretty. He's pretty old, and he's pretty. He seems like a pretty easygoing guy. I don't think he's like that bitter. I don't think he's bitter. I just think he's smart and knows how to sell books. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it 100. percent Like, yeah. I, I'm not gonna pre-order the next Doom game. I'm gonna definitely buy the next George R. R. Martin. Yeah, I'm thinking of. I'm. I'm th- I think I might finally break. And like, when this, if if the sixth book comes out, uh, I think I might just start reading them then and not and instead of waiting for seven because that could be another ten years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Grant. Uh, Grant tries to wait for something to be complete before watching it. Oh, that's never gonna. Happen. No, no, I don't. I don't do that. <laughs> I just. Uh, you're comparing. You're thinking of Hat from the Best Friends, or formerly from the Best Friends. No, no, no. Like you. So, so right now, just now, you were like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to wait for the seventh book, implying you normally would. You were gonna wait for the series to be complete. No, this is this is a special case because it's like I I wanted to I want to get the the viewpoint of someone who didn't grow you didn't like wait and like think about the books for a long time and just read them all in one go but it's like this that's probably not going to happen so it's like fuck it Uh, i think javier's watch through of game of thrones is the best oh yeah he's Uh, season one and season eight yeah my, my roommate watched season one and then he watched season eight and he says that was a really fucking weird experience (laughs) <laughs> yeah not seeing the third season with the red wedding and everything would just yeah, yeah. be like fucking r- ridiculous like, yeah, it goes from like setting up intrigue to a bunch of stupid farts where did yeah. all the characters go <laughs> where did all the cities and ding dongs go I want to see more wieners holy yeah. shit yeah um, alright <laughs> we gotta end this at some point uh, it's been really fantastic chatting with all of you I hope we do it again as the game uh, enters more and more and more development and, you know, you guys get more release edge than what we're going to currently see right now. But like, I, I do have to go to bed at some points. This, this is really, really seriously, this has been really cool. Guys. guys.